Hello, everyone, and welcome to Executive Functions and Instruction. This is episode 12 of the Garforth Education Podcast. My name is Dr. Catherine Garforth, and I am the host. Now, I am excited about today's episode because I think we're starting to realize that the larger role that executive functions is playing in our everyday life and understanding that we need to take a little bit more time to recognize how they're going to impact our instruction as educators. So this podcast is going to be focusing on what we can do to support students in the classroom because executive functions are skills that are developing during childhood and adolescence. And they are things that play a huge role in everything that we do. And when we take that into consideration, we need to recognize that it also plays a big role in our ability to learn and function in the classroom. When we look at an individual's executive functions, we can understand how they impact the individual's school readiness, their ability to achieve well academically, the interactions they have in social relationships, and it will contribute to their long-term emotional well-being and living a healthy lifestyle. Now, a couple episodes back in episode 10 of this season, I did a more detailed discussion on executive functions and what they are. I'm going to do a brief overview of three of them, but recognize if you're wanting more detail, please do scroll back and listen to episode 10 for more detailed information. So when it comes to executive functions, the research community is sure that they exist, but when it comes to defining how many there are, there are still some questions up in the air. We have a general consensus on the three primary executive functions that are often referred to as lower level executive functions. They are working memory, inhibitory control, and cognitive flexibility. These are ones that start to develop in early childhood. They gain more development when we enter those school years and as we approach puberty and the teenage years, adolescence, that's where we see the more rapid development in executive functions. And when you look online and see that there are, you know, 15, 20, 30, I think there's some that have divided things up enough into individual skill sets that they're close to 100 um, regardless, they all stem back to these three primary executive functions and understanding how we can, you know, take a little bit of this, a little bit of that and create this skill and understand how we need it to support our students. So the first one that begins developing in those infancy years is working memory. And 
when we think about it for an adult, it's the, the mental scratch pad that we use to store information and try and use it. And there's typically between three and seven for an adult. But during infancy and early childhood, there's only that one or two things that they can hold in their mind while they're doing something and trying to use it. As they get older and reach kindergarten age, it starts to expand. But we need to recognize that there is a very individual process in the development of these. And executive functions are things that are affected by uh, any sort of neurodiversity, and that can cause a delay or inhibit the development of these skills. So when we're looking at working memory, yes, there are going to be those exceptional individuals in the, the primary years that have a well-developed executive functions. You can, uh, sorry, working memory. You can give them, you know, maybe three or four things to do in one conversation and they'll be able to remember and complete them. But on the other hand, there are individuals that even holding one thing in their working memory while they're trying to do something is difficult enough. And we need to recognize that there are some individuals who have neurodiversities that even as adults holding more than one thing in their mind while they're actively doing something is about all that they can handle. And, you know, I, I've worked with individuals that you have to give them one instruction at a time in order for them to complete the task successfully. Now, this can be very frustrating as an educator or a teacher, but we need to recognize that it's extremely frustrating for the individual because they see others being able to receive multiple steps and remember what they're supposed to do, whereas they can't even complete the first step uh, that they've been requested. Now in the classroom, this looks like the student that is always needing you to repeat the instructions after you have just explained them in class and hounded out the paper or the activity that they are doing. So the thing to consider about working memory is that it is where the student or the individual in your classroom is going to be holding information uh, in elementary years, maybe only one or two steps can be held there, recognizing it has a quick refresh rate and it's a use it or lose it kind of situation for most individuals. If they aren't actively using it and trying to keep it in their working memory, it's not going to be accessible for them. Now, we also need to recognize that working memory depends on its body inhibitory control to help focus in on what they need to keep in their working memory to pay attention to. So in the classroom, when you're giving a, a list of instructions to your students and telling them they need to do A, B, and C, and you mentioned some other detail, the inhibitory control is ideally going to help support the student recognize what you want them to focus on instead of that detail. But there are going to be some that aren't able to make that filter out and pay attention to the wrong information. 
So let's take a look at inhibitory control in a little bit more detail. Inhibitory control is what allows you to control your thoughts, feelings, attention, and emotion. Inhibitory control takes time and practice. And as young children, this is something that we struggle with. And, you know, it's that impulse control, being able to stop yourself from grabbing that cookie, calling out, shouting out, learning how to raise your hand, waiting to be called on to be asked before to speak and shouting out your answer. And being able to temper those big feelings that you're having in a moment and recognize how to help self-regulate and control it innerly so you're not, you know, expressing everything that you're feeling at the particular moment. We use inhibitory control a lot of other ways too. Think about the student who is constantly fidgeting and having that need to move or that need to bounce in the class and the need to sketch and draw, recognizing that this is something that they aren't able to stop themselves to doing. We need to give them the skills and the strategies to try and help support that. But recognizing when we have students, particularly if they have something like ADHD, uh, that's a basically an inhibitory control and executive functioning disorder where these skills are things that are difficult for them to develop and that they struggle with. Also, if we look at individuals who have autism and STEM, that inhibitory control is making it so they can't stop themselves from doing this STEM and whether it's flapping or spinning or nodding their head or clearing their throat, even things that are very subtle, recognizing it's the inhibitory control that's preventing them from stopping that situation or that, that reaction. And we need to be compassionate, trying to support them and recognize that doing that is the best way to help them and not just say, okay, well, you have to stop doing that and expect it, that it's going to be done. So the thing with these executive functions is they're all intertwined and we need to recognize that inhibitory control also uses working memory to help remind themselves or keep in mind what they are trying to do and what they're trying to focus on while trying to filter out all that extra information. If they aren't able to hold that in their working memory, we need to create supports in place so that they have something that they can refer to, to help jog their memory and keep them on task. One thing I like doing with uh, my friends that I work with who struggle with inhibitory control and working memory is creating something that I refer to as a schema card. And it's basically a point form infographic that they can refer to for things that are routine and recognize that, okay, I forgot what I'm supposed to be doing, but this is 
what I need to do in this situation to go on and move forward. Now, working memory and inhibitory control uh, develop and get stronger, we see cognitive flexibility emerge. And it's what allows us to be flexible in our thinking, taking different perspectives, learning new tasks, and changing to the demands of a situation. This can be transitioning into the day, transitioning between subjects, transitioning between preferred and unpreferred activities, and recognizing that even as adults, it can be difficult to, you know, turn off one thing and move to something else. Or if you are in a heated situation, consider others' feelings and in thoughts in a situation, having that empathy. Uh, but it also happens when we're learning new things and expanding things, uh, being able to think outside the box has to do with cognitive flexibility. These are all together the, the skills that we need to work on and develop throughout infancy, early childhood, middle childhood, and adolescence to become functioning members in society. And as educators, we need to recognize our role in supporting the development of these executive functions, because once children reach school age, us as educators are the ones that are spending the most time impacting their waking hours. So we need to recognize our responsibility in helping executive functions develop in the first place. Now, I do want to mention that unlike reading, which is another topic that I speak about frequently on this podcast, executive functions are actually biologically primary. So they are things that are pre-wired into our brains and they develop if we are put in the right situations for them to develop, just like being exposed to language and learning how to speak. Executive functions are pre-wired. We do have the roots available uh, to learn and develop these skills, but they only develop if we are put in the right situation as well and given the support that we need to achieve them. Now, it's also important to recognize that you there's like a, a sweet zone for executive functions, especially when we're looking at things like inhibitory control and cognitive flexibility it is possible that they develop too much and that can also be a problem. So when it comes to inhibitory control, if you can't control your thoughts or your emotions, it can develop into mental health issues. We can see problems with um, obsessive compulsive disorder, depression, anxiety, because you're not able to control those thoughts, those feelings, those emotions. So as educators, and when we work with therapists, we're trying to develop strategies to help support 
the executive function development that we need to manage and cope in these situations. Again, too much cognitive flexibility can be difficult because the individual isn't able to focus in on a topic. Um, so we need to recognize that we can play a role in scaffolding that support. Now, in today's education system, it is very, very common for there to be the use of agendas and planners. And the reason why we have put this in is to help build that executive functioning skill set of having a, a plan and going with a plan and having it recorded so you remember what you were supposed to do and having the, the check-in with the parent and the teacher on the planner allows to help have some accountability and help the student develop this essential skill that they are going to need later in life. Now, as we include the explicit instruction of executive functions, we also want to plan for heavy support at the beginning as this individual is learning the routines, recognizing that we do want to be able to step back over time and have it so that they are able to use the strategy so it becomes, instead of a strategy, a life skill that they can use. And executive functions are also uh, sometimes referred to as executive skills. And so what we want to ideally do is move it from the conscious use of a strategy to moving it towards the unconscious use of a skill that they are using. And we do this through scaffolding support as we move along uh, throughout the year with the students and uh, gradually releasing the responsibility of us as an educator and putting it on the student and recognizing that we can't just do this card blanche at the same time in the classroom. We need to recognize where the individual is in their development to get this done. Now, the best way that we can do this is not hope that it happens and it develops through exposure and what we do in the classroom. We need to take an active role in doing this. And when we do that, we're creating a structured environment so that all students have the opportunity for success and recognizing again that there's going to be a range. You're going to have students in your classroom that already have the skills well developed that you were working on and having to support so heavily with other students in the classroom. And we need to recognize and give those higher achieving students, they're not necessarily higher achieving, but the students that have a good conceptualization, a good use of that executive function, we need to say, look, I understand, or I see that you're doing really well with this. And I want to say that I recognize it and I realize that you don't need the same level of support of the other individuals in the classroom. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a step back and let you do it more on your own. And if you are 
able to show me that you don't need this structure, then I'm happy to let you do it on your own. And again, this comes to things like uh, using an agenda, but also using various graphic organizers. There's a huge push in including graphic organizers with uh, more teaching and learning and having students using them. And we need to recognize that as students are exposed to different graphic organizers and they're able to use them efficiently and internalize them and move it from that strategy to the skill, we need to recognize, okay, this, this individual is really strong in this skill. So we need to try and release our control and allow them the opportunity to use the skills that they have and excel and develop the ones that are best suited for them, recognizing that what works best for us and the way that we feel is the best way to do things in that situation may not be what's best for that individual. And if they have something that works for them, let them use it. We are all unique and have our different strengths and structures. We need to recognize them and celebrate them and realize that, well, this particular graphic organizer is one that really works well when you're thinking about the, the strategy or the, the learning that you are doing within the classroom, but you have a student that may be really strong in graphic note-taking and the way that they can conceptualize things is a way that you'd never able to do it yourself or teach others to do, but they're able to get the knowledge and retain it so you want to recognize that, celebrate that, and let them do it. You also need to recognize that there are only th so many things that you can do at one time and in one lesson. So while there are times when you can explicitly teach these executive functions, they are not appropriate for all lessons, but you need to consider what you need to do for your students that are struggling the most with the development and make sure the supports are in place for them to succeed. Now, when we look at some of the higher level executive functions, which are the ones that typically begin developing in adolescence, we see other ways of supporting them and recognizing that each individual will have their different supports. Uh, one thing I did want to mention is a lot of the things that we've been implementing more regularly in the classrooms over the decade or the past, you know, couple of decades, as we have a better understanding of executive functions are helping support students. And there are things that we do in the, the primary and elementary grades that are really good in helping support students who struggle with executive functions but we're removing the scaffold too soon and not giving the students the support that they need in high school. Some of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about just as I'm talking about this is making time visual. So there's those great uh, countdown clocks or time timers, and some individuals really struggle with conceptualizing time. And that's one of the things 
that we see with individuals who struggle with executive functions. And so we want to create a way to make time visual, whether it's having a, a countdown clock or um, reminders of how many minutes are left for an activity, if they have any form of assistive technology or a cell phone or even a kitchen timer, if you have a couple of kitchen timers in the classroom and just say here, you know, we have 10 minutes to do this assignment. I know um, James struggles with knowing how much time is left. So I'm just gonna give them the timer, put it on their desk so they can see it. Now, the thing about uh, having the timer, it can be a distraction for some students and an asset for others. So we need to recognize uh, which students it's appropriate for and which ones we need to make sure it's not gonna be there for them to obsess over. Another thing is that the shape of the day, uh, we see that again in a lot of the primary school classrooms, but as things get older, we just kind of have the agenda or the, the timetable that we expect the students to know. And recognizing that it may be difficult for students to internalize that. And even within a lesson, if we say, okay, you know, in this social studies block or this geography class, we are going to spend five minutes reviewing what is happening. And then we are going to talk about the vocabulary. And then we're going to dive into this assignment. Just having those quick notes on the board is helpful. Also, making sure that you have the instructions that you're expecting students to complete for the activity that you're getting them to do individually in the classroom available in a print form that is easy to reference for students because this means that they aren't needing to have that working memory retain all the information. I did mention earlier the schema cards that I like using with struggling students and recognizing that these things are useful for all students in your class. So if you know you're you have a regular routine, and you know that some students struggle with that routine, whether it is, you know, um, getting their agenda or uh, filling, doing the daily journal entry, you know, print out a little um, schema card, have it available to anybody student that wants it using that universal design for learning model saying, I recognize that I may be creating this for one student in my class, but other students in my class may benefit. And it's not cheating to know that the first thing that you have to do is write the date in the top right-hand corner and then the title, underline the title, uh, and then use the sentence starter. These are things that while some individuals are able to internalize that routine, others struggle with it and having that reminder is a comfort to them and helpful for you. So you're not having to go through the same routine over and over again every time and getting frustrated. Uh, one thing that I did want to mention before I, I kind of wrap this conversation up is executive functions do have that impact on the academic success, but it also has impact on the social success. And when we see programs like Roots of Empathy or 
working on social skills with students. What we are trying to do is work on their executive functioning development. And when we see, you know, the puberty hit, you have the, the individuals that start developing these skills sooner than other individuals. And that's just on their, um, you know, developmental scale. That's their individuality. And that's fine. There's nothing out of it. This is where we see the those social cliques developing. And you, you see the, you know, the popular kids that have the more developed executive functions recognizing and being able to pull things out of different situations that the ones that don't have the same level of executive functioning development struggle with. And they're able to pick these out and point on them. So recognizing that while we need to help support the executive functioning development uh, and the academic way, also understanding how it's developing for the social side of things. And what we can do as educators is make sure when we are planning lessons, recognizing how at least those three basic executive functions that I've been speaking about mainly today, the working memory, inhibitory control, and cognitive flexibility are going to come to play in your lesson. Recognize where students who struggle with working memory are going to need support within that lesson. Plan it out. Recognize how you can support them. Inhibitory control. Recognize, am I going to be speaking for a long time? Do I need music bre movement breaks? Do I need fidgets? Am I giving too much information, too many details and not focusing on the point that I'm really trying to get across? Do I have students that really struggle when I go on a tangent because they're not able to backtrack and focus on the main concepts of the idea? What am I going to do at the end of the lesson to review to make sure those main concepts that I needed to have as a takeaways come forward from this lesson? And then when we're looking at cognitive flexibility, recognizing where we are asking the, the individuals to have a flexibility of their mind. Are there any biases that we need to be conscious of and aware of that we're going to be challenging in the situation? And how are the individuals in our class going to struggle with that? Are there certain ones that are going to have a harder time doing this? may take a little bit of extra time as we're using as a strategy, but once we internalize it and it becomes a skill, it's going to mean that our lessons are that much more successful and we are able to help support our students along that tricky developmental rope and recognize that we are laying the foundations in the classroom for the skills that they are going to use throughout their lifetime. And anything that we can do to help support them on their way is wonderful. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And I wanted to let you know that we have more episodes coming up this month. 
that I'm looking forward to. But I would love it if you could follow Garforth Education on social media so you can learn about those upcoming podcasts and more information about the replays and associated blog posts with the podcast episodes. Please like, share, comment, subscribe, and ask questions on social media. I love connecting with my audience, learning more and understanding how I can... Um, have episodes in the future that are about topics that you are interested in. If you are wanting to learn more about executive functioning and how to support individuals who struggle with them, I do have a course called Executive Functions Explained, and it goes into detail about the various executive functions and how we can support their development really focusing on that explicit nature that we can implement in the classroom and at home to help develop these skills so that individuals succeed. I hope you have a great day and I will catch you next time.